Hello everybody and welcome to Bulls on Tap. I am your boy Buzz and as always I am joined by my dude Bulls Scripted aka Key Fronts and we are here to the Indiana Pacers here in preseason game three. A lot of good things we saw tonight, a lot of not so good things we saw tonight. Keith, what'd you think my man? It'd probably be an exaggeration. Um, there was some select things to take away <laughs> from the game. Uh, and I'd say that was pretty much Kobe White's three-point shooting. Uh, the confidence in which he showed to continue to take them. Uh, it does look like he's going to play more of you know a two-guard role beginning of the season until the playmaking comes along. But I think like tonight, you were really only watching for Kobe White, Dunn fan. Uh, so to see him go off for you know, 24 points was pretty intriguing. I, I agree with that. Uh, a thing that I... St- Saw to Kobe White today was just his um, off the ball effectiveness, um, especially on offense, not needing the ball to contribute, and I was really happy to see that Chris Dunn, you know, primarily had the ball in his hands coming up the floor, but you know when they were able to find Kobe White, he uh, he made good use of it. He went four from nine from three point land, ten of twenty two overall from the field for twenty four points, eight boards. And zero assists, something that we saw a lot of tonight, was not great ball movement. Uh, The Bulls had 24 assists in the first half last preseason game. And uh, this preseason game, for the whole game, they only finished with 14. Uh, Ball movement wasn't so great tonight in general, but, I mean, like you said before we came on the air, we kind of expected that. Was there anything else that you saw out of today's game that, as a little bit of a bright spot you want to touch on? Um, let's say Chris Dunn six deals, but he had seven turnovers as well, so that kind of throws that out the window. Yikes. I mean, a lot of them were, you know, dumb turnovers, I guess. All turnovers are dumb, but, you know, uh, the backcourt violation, that was, yeah. That, that was, was, yeah, uh, it was brutal. Definitely hard to watch, but, um... No, I mean, I think the last game where the starters actually played was a lot more entertaining. There's a lot of positive things to take away from that game other than um, the players who kind of stunk it up tonight blowing it in the fourth quarter for us. So, you know, I'll lead it in with that. Uh, What did you think about the game on Wednesday? Well, the game on Wednesday, I mean, uh, dude, I mean, was (laughs) the the – pace that the offense played with to start the game right that was i I was immediate immediately drawn in the ball movement was unbelievable number one number two the you know the start like the eventual starters that i think that we'll see going forward to start the regular season they played phenomenal as well um zach was on another level Otto Porter Jr. did all the things that you know that he can do and that he kind of showed us what he had last year. Uh, Tomas Sadoransky played. His numbers might not have been flashy, but he played well. Uh, Wednesday's game was just unbelievable until, you know, the huge collapse there <laughs> in the fourth quarter. But that was mostly because the deep, deep end of the bench the, guys uh, soon were. soon-to-be streetwalkers were uh, on the court. <laughs> 
Right, the soon-to-be street. <laughs> uh, it reminds me of South Park with the daywalker thing. Um, yeah, this, the streetwalkers, yeah, blew the game there. But I think we saw, you know, we saw everything that we needed to see out of, you know, of the potential of this offense. Okay. Um, that game was definitely Wednesday's played game. in three quarters. That was really all that mattered to me, at least as a fan, was when we had our actual rotational players out on the floor that you could see the ball movement, the pace, um, and really just sticking to the plan that has been you know, laid out, which is good to see because the Bulls aren't always great at doing that. Um, and you mentioned Otto Porter Jr., who flirted with a triple-double on Wednesday. 16 points, 7 rebounds, 8 assists. 7 of 13 from the field, uh, 2 of 5 from 3, so we know he can even do, you know, better than that. And that was, you know, just kind of a nonchalant game for him. Um, yeah, I've, I'm really excited for, you know, the rotational pieces that we have, especially the starting five, which I think a telltale sign tonight with Sadoransky sitting out is that he is going to be the starter initially. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And you you had that called. Uh, I mean, before the first preseason game was played. Um, well, I, I like Sato's game. I mean, he showed out and we balled up. And we had talked about this in one of the previous Bulls on Taps, but in the FIBA World Cup, I mean, he you know he balled out. Coming over to the Bulls, you know, to start the preseason off, he's been very shifty in, in the um, you know limited amount of games that we've got to see him in, um, but. Shifty fits with the offense real well, but I mean, honestly, I, I think it's just a matter of time before you see the seventh pick in this year's draft take that spot from him. I mean, I wouldn't say that's far fetched. Um, you can make the argument that having the veteran in Sadaransky who is more consuming off the bench might even be better for the team, but at the same time. You know the Bulls are going to make Kobe earn it as well as they should. So Oh, absolutely, right. I don't know. I, I, I hope it comes at some point of the season. Uh, you know, with Kobe's speed, there's no way that they can keep him off the floor. Um, and there is going to be, you know, a lot of growing pains. But at the same time, uh, what heaps to the table in terms of a game changer with his speed and transition, with that being the way that the Bulls want to play, is very possible that, you know, he's – a starter by the end of the season because he's great off ball as well, which we all know Zach's going to have the ball. Right, and absolutely. I mean, I, it's just a good thing to have a guy like Sadoransky and obviously have Kobe White on the team, um, you know, because Sadoransky's going to fit real good also in that starting lineup, like you were saying before, to make Kobe earn it. But for now, Sato has earned it. And, you know, his ability to play off ball, his size, his length to bother people on the defensive end, just to be there in the corner to hit the three when needed is going to be very, very big for this team. Another guy I want to touch on real quick, because he absolutely played terrible um, Wednesday. He played horrible tonight, too. But are, are we done yet? I know we have one more game in the preseason, but are we, are we done with Felicio here? Like, I mean, completely just done. Are you done? I, I'm done. I can't. I can't watch him play basketball anymore, Keith. I can't. He literally, he drives me up a wall. And, and frustrates me to where I think he's now taking years off my life. I mean, I've been done with Felicio since before he was re-signed. Um, <laughs> so I, I was never on the Felicio train. I'm sorry for those of you who were. I know there's a lot of evidence out there of some of you still denying it. But, um, you know, I, uh, you're not going to have to see I him love the subtle shots thrown. The <laughs> but... 
you know, it is disappointing that he has to ultimately make the roster because buying him out might not be as beneficial as, you know, going into the offseason with his $8 million contract, the trade for maybe somebody with a slightly overpriced contract. I I don't know. There is value in just the contract itself, as oddly as that, you know, comes off. But from a cap sense, um, even trading for a team that needs cap relief of a bigger expiring contract this year that kind of wants to just split it in two, maybe we can get away with something like that and pick up a veteran. But unfortunately, it's not as easy as just telling Felicio, like, hey, we don't need you anymore. Well, right, and I, I, I had gotten into a conversation with a guy on Twitter earlier, um, and he was telling me, well, they're just going to, you know, they're just going to put him in the G League. I'm like, well, they they can't just do that, and that's a problem. And I, I know you're aware of this already, but he needs to give the team permission to go down to the G League now at this point in time. He can't just go down to the G League anymore. And it's just... It's just a thorn in the bull's side, and a yeah, really it's just a weight at the end of the bench. Like you just gotta hope. I mean, we have solid big man depth with Lowry, uh, Thad, who's gonna play in all the small ball lineups. You know, Wendell Carter Jr., who can play both spots if you need him. Gafford, Cornette. So we should never get down to Felicio at the end of the bench. He should just be an anchor there all I season. I sure the hell hope not. Um. You know, and at that point, he's probably going to want to go down to the G League just to stay fresh kind of thing. So he probably will spend the majority of his season down there because he'll actually get played there and stay in somewhat shape in case there is a spot where they need him, which hopefully never happens again in the last two years of his contract here. But, no, I mean, it would be nice if the Bulls could convince Felicio to, like, take a buyout, but I don't think that he'd give up any money why would you um you get to be the worst player in the nba and make eight million dollars a year <laughs> it's un it's unbelievable to me i, I tell you what it, it really is but let's talk about one of his replacements like we were saying before luke Cornette. i mean what do you think about him i i, I like his game man i lo- i know that he didn't have like the sexiest stat line and i went two for seven two boards six points but he had a couple really nice shots uh that found the bottom of the bucket tonight and then even on wednesday's game you know, in the when the Bulls had that huge lead and we were getting some time out of Cornette, he um he played real well too. He had uh, nine points and went four for seven from the field, and uh, had four assists. So another big man with uh, good passing ability. So what do you think about Cornette going into the season here? I will admit I was really skeptical of Cornette signing in the off season. You know, we had watched him torch us a little bit. Uh, when he was with the Knicks last year towards the end of the season when the Bulls were riding their G League unit. Um, It's kind of like a game we watched tonight. But, you know, I wasn't all that excited about the signing, but I think he showed in these last two games that he is going to be a piece that is effective when you have the starting caliber players on our team around him because he is a floor spacer. He is a good screener. Uh, We even saw him catch some lobs. Uh, His rebounding seems to be above average. So we are going to need that kind of presence and just the fact that you can have your five be a spacer but also be that size. When you have him and Lowry on the floor together, you know, there's going to be a clear lane to the hole because big man's going to be out on the perimeter. So I think it is going to turn out to be a very underrated signing. 
I agree with that. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I, I love the versatility that he brings to the five position, even playing four as well. Like, you know, I can't wait to see him and Lowry out there in situations and stuff like that. Um, a guy that obviously I want to get into, uh, he, he didn't play tonight, which is, uh, you know, obviously Friday night for anybody listening to this right now. Uh, but Zach Levine on, on Wednesday was just, dude, uh, unbelievable yet again. Had 28 points in 24 minutes, 10 for 16 from the field, 4 for 7 behind the, uh, the three-point line. Zach is poised to make that jump. We've talked about it before. I just think the, you know, the confidence is there. And him in the starting lineup, as is, is we just kind of touched on before, with Tomas Sadoransky was fantastic. It was just like a new style, letting Zach, you know, seeing him create and him knowing that he's got people around him that can be snipers after he drives in the lane or if someone else creates for him. Zach was just hitting there, standing there hitting, you know, open threes. I mean, the three-point shot looks like it's going to be, I think he's a plus 35% from the three-point line this year. Man, I'm going to call like 38% from downtown. I don't know how you feel, but that's what I'm calling for him this year. I wouldn't be surprised to see him break 40. I think something that's going to be, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it a lot throughout the season, but it might go under the radar for some is having this depth and the veteranship and just the reliability of the cast that Zach is actually going to have this year, assuming we stay healthy He's going to be able to stay fresh. He's not going to get his gas. He should be able to play uh, more consistent team defense because he won't be carrying so much of a load on offense. And he'll be able to be more explosive to the hole because he, he'll be more fresh. As where last year, you know, to start the season with Zach's 30-point streak, you just saw him where he had to carry the team. He didn't have anybody else with all the injuries and the lack of depth. So I think that's going to be a really big factor for Zach is not only is he going to take a step, but it's going to be easier for him because he's just, he has the help now. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw a little clip and uh, from, I think it was maybe ESPN magazine. It was up on Twitter saying that, uh, you know, how Zach doesn't doubt that he's going to, you know, there's no reason that he shouldn't be an all-star this year. That's, you know, out of his mouth. And I thought that he probably should have been last year. I know that's like a debate that we could have with a million different people that are going to give us a million different takes. But I thought he should have been last year. And, and, and this year it's just, I know it's preseason, man. I know, like, these games really don't matter in the grand scheme of things. Just trying to get, you know, your feet wet, you know, get back into the groove and, you know, head into the regular season. But there just seems to be a different swag with Zach a different confidence, a different, you know, uh, being more comfortable. And I think he's going to surprise a lot of people in the NBA this year. That kid's a walking bucket. And now that he's got a team around him that is kind of like built around, not just around, I don't want to say around him, making it like it's all about him, but a team that is built better for his skill set, I think it's really just going to shine this year. I'm, I'm super excited about him. I don't think you're going too far when you say that the team's built around him. I mean, Thad Young was his vet when he was a rookie in Minnesota. Um, the point guard signing of Sadoransky was very specific to Zach. We needed somebody who was good on and off ball with positional size that, you know, would allow Zach to have the ball all the time. And then you got Markinen, who's a spacer. Cornette's a spacer. So when you have Lowry and Cornette out on the floor, you're – Really, just spreading the floor for Zach to go to work. Right. Um, I think a lot of the. I think you hit it on the head before you backtrack there that the, the offseason really was aimed around Zach. The draft of Kobe um, is aimed somewhat around Zach. I mean, the the hole at the point guard spot was evident, but the Bulls not only drafted but signed two 
off-ball threats that can play the one or the two and have good off-ball skills because of Zach. So I think that's encouraging for Bulls fans, and it's encouraging for Zach because he sees that the people that are ultimately in charge of how far this team can go are giving him the pieces that are going to work for him and help this team achieve what they want. Right, right. No, yeah, I agree with that. It's just it's hard, like, it's hard for me to fully commit to saying that because I don't obviously know if that's what they're trying to do. But, I mean, it does look like that's what they're trying to do. They They do seem to have that faith in Zach, and I'm just really hoping that Everything starts clicking this year. I did. I know we're kind of going off the rails on just talking about tonight's game, but tonight's game really. I mean, there's not much to to talk about. You know, Bulls didn't do too much. I want to just you know talk to you about things that I saw. I I cannot remember the website, man. I'm trying to find it on the fly here, um, but I can't find it where they they had the Bulls, and it was an over under 33 and a half win projection. And I'm trying to find the site. I can't find it. But um, I found it. I found it. It's on HoopsRumors. HoopsRumors.com. Has the bull- oh, that sounds reliable. Yeah, well, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they have the Bulls over under for the 2019-2020 season at 33 and a half wins. What do you th- – I, I think that pro- that, that projection is a little disrespectful. I, I know that they only you know won 22 games last year, but it was an injury-riddled season. Um, I – what do you think about that? And the reason I bring it up to you is because a, a good buddy of mine that I know had posted about this, and I've you know I've heard of hoops rumors. I've been on the website and stuff like that. They're just doing their thing. Looks like this may be come, coming from Vegas, not just what the site has said itself. What do you think about thirty three and a half wins for the Bulls? Um, it's possible that it's probably is coming out of Vegas. I don't think that their staff is doing an over under. They're probably just relaying information, and if you know, um, I wish I was a gambling man because I'd definitely take the over. I think that's an easy one. Uh, unless we run into injuries like last year, I don't see how this team doesn't win at least 35 games. Right. Um, I'd say that's the floor for this team in my opinion. Well, right. I mean, you even in one of the, you know, I think it was episode four or whatever, you were sitting at, what was that, 44 wins, and I said 45. I truly believe. Yeah, I, I mean, believe I, mean I might have been a little lubricated and a little excited about the season, but I I don't think it's impossible to achieve that goal. I I know they're going to be in the hunt for the playoffs at the end of the season. Right. I that's what I mean. And thirty three and a half wins ain't going to put you in the hunt. You know. Um. I, I, I nope. Not even in the right. East. So I mean, I just yeah, I think that's kind of a disrespectful, <laughs> disrespectful projection there, but. It is what it is. Is there anything else you want to touch on, man, before we head on out on this episode? No, I mean, not really. Coming off tonight's game, it's it's a little hard to be excited. We were watching a whole bunch of streetwalkers, and, you know, we were actually playing the Pacers starters all the way into the fourth. Like, McMillan didn't pull back. He was like, all right, we're going to tune up this Bulls team that's never going to see the floor again. And it was kind of like, dude, like, is it is it really I was wondering why he kept Miles Turner in, like, all game. I'm like sitting there. I'm like, damn, dude. I'm like, is is? is oh, yeah, and you got Brogdon coming off an inter- injury, so it was kind of like, what? You need a healthy team. You're already without your star. Why are you running your starters against these scrubs? Like, you can run against your own team in practice and get the same kind of. I don't know. It didn't make sense to me. But either way, uh, Boylan has said that Sunday, and then I think there's another game Wednesday. I'm not positive. That's uh, coming off the top of my head. I know there's a game Sunday. Uh, the starters are going to play. It's going to be more like a regular season rotation. 
So that should be exciting to watch, and hopefully we get a little bit more of that three-quarters with New Orleans. Yeah, so um, the next game, like you said, is uh, Sunday against the Raptors, and then, what did you say, Wednesday? Yeah, I think that, I think that might be the Bulls' last preseason game, dude. That's it? That's all she wrote? How many preseason games are there? I forget. No, they play on Thursday. Thursday, okay. So I was yeah, a day Yeah, they play off. on Thursday. We I am close sorry. off with the Hawks at home. Yeah, yep, they close it out against the Hawks at home. That's yes. right. I'm actually off this Thursday. The world is in my favor. Oh, that's perfect. That is perfect. Well, everybody, be sure going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Follow at Bulls on Tap on Twitter. Follow me at Buzz on Tap on Twitter and my dude at Bull Scripted on Twitter. And uh, we will be back most likely Sunday with uh, with No, yeah, it's a bye week. Yeah, it's a bye yep, week. It's a so, Bears bye week. So uh, we will be here. Bulls preseason. Which is a good thing. I'm very excited. You know, Bulls Raptors on, on Sunday, dude. It starts at 5 uh, Central time. So we'll be able to watch the game decent time record the bulls on tap podcast and post it out for everybody to listen to it sounds like a plan awesome well everybody have a great weekend we will be back sunday night with another episode of bulls on tap later